there. I'm Leanna Hinkle with the Hinkle Homestead. And I'm Lindsay Weiniger with the Weiniger Farms. And we are your hosts on We Chose the Farm. Hey, friends, it's harvest season. So it is getting a little bit colder and the weather is great. So now we are taking the time to chat about what these months look like. What are you putting up for the winter? How are you filling your pantry? What are you doing with all of your animals? Find out as we chat about it. It doesn't seem like it, but it totally is harvest season. I love it. I wasn't even, you don't even expect this in the middle of August, but then you're like, holy mackerel, it is here. I am behind, but harvest is, it's time to harvest. This is entering into my most favorite season. It's when the air starts to get a little crisp and like all those you know, hot days of 90 plus degrees are in the distant past and it's pumpkin spice time (laughs) is approaching and that's my favorite time. I love it. So we thought it would be a great idea and it's obviously the perfect time of year to talk about harvest. But um, for us, harvest, uh, it covers a lot of stuff because there's more than just, you know, the corn out in the field being harvested for us. So we want to take some time to talk about it. So when you think of harvest time, like this time of year, what are you preparing for? Harvest, well, so, you know, I historically, right, you, you're, this time of year is created to prep for the cold winter months. And we are in Illinois, so it does get cold unlike other parts of the America. When I think of harvest, the initial thought that I, that like triggers the harvest season for me is when we start seeing pumpkin trucks driving through town. So for those of you who aren't familiar with where we live, we live right next to a pumpkin processing facility and when the pumpkin trucks come in, it's crazy time. You know, so growing up, it's always been corn and beans here. And it still really is. It it really is, yeah. It's just primarily this town, surrounding this town, is your pumpkins for the Libby. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That is really cool. But yeah, I remember driving to visit my grandparents or really just anywhere. And it was just corn and beans, corn and beans. And literally said just like that in that exact same way. And... (laughs) the midwest (laughs) you know but we're not agricultural people we aren't and that this is why this topic can come up kind of i was like we're nervous about covering it because i well me specifically i'm scared that i'm gonna leave something out but at the same token i think we're we have lots of resources that you know if we have questions we can ask but it's worth covering because it is so important this time of year yeah i mean and it doesn't I guess it doesn't strictly have to look like just harvesting for your big crops. It's, I mean, it is literally everything between of what you're doing with your home gardens at the end of the season, um, what you're doing as far as other critters that you have on your place or, you know, preparation for them for winter and kind of what that looks like. So I'm excited to kind of dive into all of these winter prepping 
stages. So what are you specifically harvesting right now? So what we do personally, um, the last few years I've really gotten into um, canning and dehydrating and freezing. Really just for like longevity for the winter. When we first moved out here, um, our neighbors said to us, ooh, these winters are real bad and sometimes you can't leave your house for a week. And I think something was mentioned about like, make sure you have powdered milk on hand or like something like that. <laughs> and I think that kind of that kind of like fueled um, my husband's and I's like prepping journey. So like, you know, then we started getting, you know, five gallon buckets of oats and flour and sugar because we thought the winters were going to be long because we didn't know out right. here sure. in the middle of nowhere. We had no idea. And, you know, that actually came in handy a couple of times. I don't know if you remember, there's a few years back that all the telephone poles snapped in half, like yeah. <laughs> toothpicks. And we were, ooh, that we were really down. <laughs> that was no good. Um, But anyways, back to harvesting time. So we really just kind of can stuff that we go through on a regular basis. It's been a hard thing for me because um, there's a lot of awesome and interesting recipes that are fun, yeah. but actually don't get eaten because they're too weird. You know, uh, <laughs> you like gotta stick to the <laughs> basics. Yeah, one year, like I was really excited about water bath canning green beans, and that's a huge no because they're low acid foods and they should be pressure canned. Blah blah blah. But I found a recipe for dill green beans like dill pickle green beans and i'm like yeah these are gonna be great and i canned them and ugh, poor thing i served them for dinner and jake was like these are warm pickles <laughs> they were green beans <laughs> and i was like oh oh you mean that they don't they don't taste like real green beans they taste like pickle i had no clue <laughs> Um, so now I know how to properly do it the right way. And um, so we do green beans. Um, the kids and the boys like the green beans. Um, I just did peaches, and that was fun. Just your plain, basic peaches, but I added some spices to <laughs> They're delicious. That's awesome. Um, so pretty much just basic stuff like uh, that we go through mm -hmm. in the winter. Um, we'll also be doing honey. I know that you do that as well. I do, yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Um, we also share a common thing of doing, putting up some meat, kind yep. of in some different ways. We more so are doing uh, meat chickens, mm -hmm. and we have done a couple turkeys on our own sure. this season, um, but I don't think so this year, Got the it. turkeys. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, so for us, harvest uh, started two weeks ago because we actually do hay. So the second cutting hay was last week. So that means you cut once shortly into the summer once the grass is tall enough and then you let it grow again and then you get a second cutting and then if we're real lucky, we could get a third cutting on some of the, the hay ground. But that looks like um, an alfalfa field or a timothy grass or um, any kind of tall grass field. We actually do a teff grass, which is a it's a hybrid grass. I could explain more about it, but it's really complicated. <laughs> it's a fine grass that we cut and bale for our livestock, but then we also sell it at our feed store, and we sell it to other livestock 
people around. Okay, I gotta interrupt you real quick because I don't, I don't, we're really new into hay Mm -hmm. specifically because we just started doing it with the pigs that we got. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between the first cutting and the second? Is it a quality thing? Is like one more desirable than the other? So a lot of, uh, I believe, my husband's gonna listen to this and he's gonna be like telling me everything I said wrong. But from my understanding, the first cutting is going to be a little bit more weed, clover, all the extra stuff heavy, whereas your second cutting is going to be a little bit cleaner. It's going to be, it's not going to have as much, uh, you know, um, milkweed in it or things, things that you have to be careful of, especially when you have like livestock like horses. Oh, okay, sure. So with your kuni kunis, they eat anything they do they do and so you don't have to be nervous about your cutting but uh sure so speaking of like a if you're gonna get alfalfa or a timothy hay for small animals or for a strict diet or to you know the alfalfa and timothy situation has to do with different sugars and the grass that could affect your animal so you do have to pay attention to those but um generally if you're dealing with pigs and cows and maybe some sheep and goats. You don't have to pay attention much to what's in your hay. Interesting. That's pretty cool. I didn't actually know that. Uh, I am very, very amateur when it comes to hay, but I know enough to be dangerous. <laughs> how how much... Is it the same traditional space that you would need for other crops, or is it less? Well, generally, you're going to bale waterways, and you're going to bale, like, open fields so like the the paths in between cornfields oh or we do have a couple hay fields we did specifically plant a hay field this year because of how much we needed to sell for the feed store and for our our cattle specifically but a lot of our other accounts were mowing a lot next to a gas station and we're mowing waterways in between cornfields and we're mowing just different areas that would grow up grass and then we would cut it down. But if you're wanting specifically hay or alfalfa or specifically you would plant you fields would plant for fields for that. My mind is literally blown right now. I just didn't actually know any of this. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> oh boy. I learned something too. I just worse you know you tell you we do the hay because I guess like you know like you just said, I mean, our pigs pasture raise and they're great, but what do you do yeah. in the winter when there's actually no pasture? So this is a really great, I feel like this is full circle because not only are you doing this for your time of year, but this is when everybody really needs to start thinking about their livestock and what mm-hmm. their preparations that they're going to make for the winter season. I don't want to get too specific too, but we also wrap some of our stuff in order to maintain, to maintain the nutrients that's in the grass so that when it comes to the winter months, it's still nutrient-rich hay. So there's yeah. even, that's a whole Ooh. nother ball game. Oof. But hay is like a, hay is a, hay is a thing. Uh, like when we, when all those tornadoes ripped through the Southwest last year, the yeah. first thing we did the first relief efforts that we did was everybody was trucking bales, round bales of hay down to the southwest because they lost, or the fires. Was it fire? It was like fire in... No, remember it was the flooding in like Iowa and like well, Nebraska and Kansas and stuff like that. Or were you talking was about whole, different things? 
There was, uh, I'm thinking. <laughs> the whole state's been a little messed up for a while. <laughs> Something happens every year. But the best relief that you can give a livestock farmer is hay. Uh, hands oh, down. That because, warms my heart. Yeah, it, it helps a ton. So, hay. Uh, that, that's just a little part of what we do. But that's very different than it is. straw, too, yes. right? So, straw is generally harvested after a crop is harvested. What? <laughs> so, hay is a food source and straw is a bedding. Straw oh. is the stalk of a, a wheat plant or a barley plant or um, some kind of a, a grain. So straw is harvested. We harvested that back in, gosh, June, June or July. We did two of those for different people. And that you harvest specifically so that people have bedding for their animals. Totally different. So whenever you go on a hay rack ride, you're probably not sitting on hay. Just FYI, you're probably sitting on straw. Yeah, I could tell. I mean, now getting both of those things for those yes. specific reasons, you know, bedding and food, they do look very different. They do, yeah. Yeah, your traditional hay back rides are very straw back rides. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> yep, they actually look like straws. If you pick up, uh, if you're trying to tell the difference, generally one has a hole down the middle because that's a stalk of a plant, whereas grass, hay, is well, looks like a piece of grass. One's yellow and one's green sometimes oh no there well uh, straw is definitely always yellow bright yellow yeah whereas hay is usually like a greenish brown it's like a it's a dried green yes yeah <laughs> but i mean it's not it's yes, not like it's not yeah okay yellow. okay cool. sorry no 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 you're good <laughs> um okay we talked about this very briefly a couple um episodes ago honey did you you didn't do Still any. Haven't. We kind of wait till October for ours. But that makes me nervous. It came back in my memories of how we pulled honey this time yeah. last year. <laughs> so exciting. Um, but we've been getting the phone calls. When is your honey ready? When is your honey ready? Oh, uh, yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're waiting. We're holding out for a little bit longer. But it probably won't be too much longer just because of the sheer fact that we've got to process it. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that's we, get done. We did. We did a, we did a short batch um, and we did 13 frames. So each one of our hives is only an eight frame. So, okay. yeah. you know, we did a little bit. Um, we did 13 frames and we got about six and a half gallons. That's awesome. It's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I always fun. forget how sticky it is though. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And so my goal this year, and I'm sure this sounds like amateur for like some bigger like beekeepers, <laughs> and I'm sure it sounds super cool to like people that have no idea, but like my plan is to probably do at least one more time for mm-hmm. us and then hopefully one more time before the winter and we'll keep that back for them. Sure. In the winter. So we added supers onto ours. Okay, so... Uh, you have the bottom frame where the queen lays all of her eggs and makes her drones. And then what you do is you put a queen excluder on and you start adding supers onto the top. And that's where they add, make the honey. And we added supers to ours back in June. And we let them go. And then we harvest that's great. all the supers and we get about five gallons out of every hive. Nice. So nice. And so we'll probably end up with about 20 gallons. Last year, our first year, we had about eight and a half. How many hives did you have? Uh, we had two that we pulled from. That's that's awesome. 
Yeah. Especially for our first year. Yeah. And then we did, we did another session right before we treated for the Varroa. Yeah. And kept that. But I mean, we pulled the top boxes off of all of them. Some of our, um, some of ours have two boxes above that queen excluder. That's perfect. It's necessary. And then you got to leave some back for them. And so you just have to, I, we're, we're going to like five gallons per hive would be ideal for us, but we also know that we lost a hive or two and where we're nervous it was because they didn't have enough so yeah we no, put, and that's that's another thing too is you got to keep enough for the bees too because you don't want gosh i was worried about that all winter long and you don't year. once you once you winterize your bees man you don't open those things back up. <clears throat> no and you know i don't know we were learning a lot about bees and stuff as it went on through the season um and remember like last winter over Christmas when it got really warm, like mm. the 60 or, you know what I mean? Or yeah. Like, it was crazy. You know, everybody's going outside in shorts and stuff, <laughs> yep. you know, on Christmas Day. Um, but all the bees were out. Yes, they were. It and, freaked them out. Yeah. But it also, I was like, oh, this is so cool. This is great. And so we gave them like sugar water out on that day. And I guess that was a huge, not a good thing to do. And I didn't realize that. Because since it was an abnormally warm time, this is just what I was told, um, since it was an abnormally warm time, if you give them sugar water as a supplement, the water they take back into their hive, and once it gets cold, oh, no. it freezes. <laughs> Gee, I swear, I was trying to do such a nice thing. I didn't even think about that. I know, I didn't either, and I'm like... <gasps> Oh, no. You know, so we ended up putting, like, candy boards in there, too, to kind of help wick the moisture, and it did, and they were fine, and they made it through the winter, and everything's good to go. Um, Uh, Christmas hack. Any of your extra candy canes. Any any beekeepers out there, keep your candy canes. Crunch them up. Stop. And put them in your beehives. Absolutely. Wait, does the mint do anything, though? Uh No. But if you have any of those blue, like the Yeah, like the fruit ones, ones. you can, like, uh, a friend of mine, he had a package of blue ones, and he started seeing little blue dots in this where they did blue honey. Funny. But it's straight sugar. So naturally, they would love it. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, it's always best to give them with their actual natural resource of honey instead yeah. of just robbing the whole thing and just being like, they said I can just give candy canes all winter. Yeah, don't do that. No, <laughs> be nice to <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, so that's, I'm excited about honey. It's, I never really thought that it would be this time of year to get excited, but it's kind of fun. I, I mean, we did talk a little bit about this, that now is the time of year where you start to get a little bit of your fruits of labor. You right. know, your chickens are laying your eggs and your bees are making your honey and, you know, your meat birds are getting all fat and plump and yeah, and gardens our, are producing, you yeah. know. And our meat harvest, we did a first batch of meat birds. We did that last week and we took, I mean, we're sending beef to the locker all the time, but for our personal stuff, we've got stuff going in, like cattle going in. We harvested pigs what's almost the, a month ago. What's like, the turnaround time on cattle? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, sh- I'm sure it depends on who you talk to and what the breeds are and your desired goals. Well, and when, when you buy them from, like, where you get, like, what size you get them. Oh, for sure. Stuff yeah. Like that. Yeah. Uh, but I think ours, we usually get them in the 
like late spring and then we turn like try to do it by fall but we get them at like eight or nine hundred pounds and we turn them in at like thirteen fourteen hundred pounds that's nuts so and that is there we take them into the locker and we get a call two and a half weeks later and that's there's our things the meat birds was crazy that was the first i experienced that for the first time last week that was interesting loads of fun we get to do that in november tell me about your experience (laughs) (laughs) so we go to this uh small amish town probably two hours away and uh you take your birds in their cage and you take them up there and you have to get there bright and early at 8 o'clock in the morning. So we left here at quarter till 5. It's a drive. It is a drive. <laughs> and we got there, uh, waited in line, handed off our birds, and partied around the small Amish town of Arthur for <laughs> five and a half hours. Oh, my gosh. And then they called us at, like, 1.30, and we went over and picked up our processed chicken and threw it in coolers with ice on top and drove home. And that's, that's that. It. Yeah. But uh, mind you, we don't process our own birds because we sell them through our feed store, which is they have to be a USDA certified facility, which they are, just to cover our legality bases here. Uh, but Same. I mean, yeah, that's, exactly. that's the only reason why we're doing it, too. I will say that the town of Arthur was pretty cool. We got some really awesome, like, stuff at an antique sh- store. Oh, and nice. we ate, like, legit home-baked goods and it was it was awesome that way but it was quite the daily process so it was fun (laughs) that's awesome i love that so um all of the things that we're doing for prepping for i mean it i keep saying prepping like i'm going underground in our bunker but (laughs) no i mean i like it i've always thought that like canning and stuff was kind of cool just to get back in touch of like, where does your food come from? Right. Um, but so we're doing this to kind of like, you know, eat off of the stuff for the winter. Um, but what is like winter care or like going into fall? What does that look like for chickens and for livestock? And I mean, is there anything different that you have to do for um, bigger creatures? So a lot of times, it depends on each farm uh, or each, you know, operation, but some people like to spring calve, and so you're looking, you're, or winter, some people what? calve in the winter, and... Why? I, because of the time that they need to harvest <sighs> so the meat. Weird. So it's just, so you have to be thinking through... Um, when you're going to suit them up. When, you, when your bull <laughs> friend is coming over... Yeah. To the to the herd, uh, we don't do that particularly at ours right now. We don't have the the time or the space to do that. We have generally been getting them from a, an auction or like the sale barn. Um, but that's what you're thinking about. You're thinking about your hay and storing it up for the winter, getting it prepared. Um, chickens, you're well, so it's kind of sad in this timeline because you you got your chickens in the spring. Mine that I got in the spring, I just started getting pullet eggs. Yeah. They've got August, <laughs> September, October, and then they're going to start slowing down again for the winter. Yeah. Your next spring will be great, but 
<laughs> if so, if you didn't just get your chickens in the spring and you're on their second year, yeah, now they're like they're hit. They're gonna hit their molt. Yep, you gotta be careful. And I mean, it's you want to try to, and it's possible, but you can control it. Oh, if you can get them to molt before it gets cold, oh yeah, try. That's, yeah. <laughs> But, um, cause molting through the winter is a whole... It's sad. So, it's, for anybody that doesn't know, molting is basically when they shed their gross and dirty broken feathers and the new ones come in all, like, fantastic. But the amount of energy that it takes for them to molt, they stop laying eggs temporarily. It, it also, you know, their insides reset a little bit as well. Yeah, it gives them that little break that they kind of need but gosh they look ugly oh they look very ugly and you have to be super careful um because yeah they lost their their blanket their heat source for (laughs) sure i mean we don't heat our coop we don't either um the only thing that we do have jake put out a um like an outlet or something so that we can drop tank heaters in for their waters right Mm -hmm. because i think keeping a water source in the water is good is definitely an important thing so that'll be a nice fun challenge with the emus this winter we also you also have to watch too especially for if you've got roosters or like some of the more commercial breeds that have the larger combs you gotta watch out for frostbite on their toes and on their combs but i think generally as long as you provide them with some sort of shelter and make it always available they should be able to be okay and same thing with uh, Cooney Cooney pigs. Now, I think most commercial pigs, usually the old saying was, a spring pig never sees the snow. Ooh. Sad days for that poor pig. <laughs> um, but Cooney Coonies are, take two years to mature. Right. So if you were looking for that for just meat purposes, then you're going to be waiting through a couple winters. But if you're... Um, Wanting to keep these as pets, they're fine not being supplemented on heat, but they do well, or it's recommended to have a buddy with them so that they can snuggle for that. I know, it's it's, it's a little pig pile. It's really cute. Um, So, I mean, that's kind of a cool thing as well that, I mean, pretty much I've seen cows in the snow. I've seen horses in the snow. You can pretty much weather anything, and they don't need to really be as babied as, like, your house cats or dogs. Sure. Those glorious fat house cats. Yep. I've got a couple. So our plans are to kind of do the same thing as we did last month um, in in an outline of what we're going to talk about and in what order. So generally, we want to give an overview of what we're going to talk about this week. Right? Yeah. And then next week, we're going to talk about current events. Ugh. Current events for harvest right now are dreary. Snooze. Oh, they're so sad. <laughs> um, What with, you know, hurricanes and that drachos. I was, I'm really happy you said that because I kept calling it a drencho. It's, it's I don't uh, Spanish for straight line. Yeah, man, I'm going to have to look nowhere. that up because if that's not right, I'm totally editing that out. <laughs> but, um, and then, so the, it, it's kind of a no fun for current events in the harvest world. But then we do get to have some fun with debunking, which is great. Let's have some fun with current events. And it's the pumpkin spice latte. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, we were talking about this beforehand. <laughs> I'm an American. And I do not like pumpkin spice. I don't like pumpkin anything. 
You're unbasic. I am. I t- <laughs> Everything is limited for me in the fall. I have to stick to vanilla. I don't know why you don't like pumpkin. It's amazing. I have to stick to vanilla and apple and plaid. And my wardrobe significantly decreases because anything that says PSL on it, I can't wear because I think they're gross. So funny. I do chai lattes. That's what I do. Not all pumpkin spices are created equal, though. There are some that are way better than others. Well, I will be happy to provide my... (laughs) Taste testing. My taste testing, (laughs) if that's the case. So, I would be happy to do that. I'm excited about these myths that are coming up. Hey! I'm really pumped about that because I think that's going to get into some really juicy. I'm either going to be really loved or really hated, one or the other. Because I'm talking about GMOs! I am really excited to chat about this. (laughs) I don't actually think you understand how excited I am. (laughs) Well, I'm doing my homework, I promise, because I've got to get this right because it's a touchy subject and I'm going to touch it, so. Don't poke the pig. But also in a very educational way because Absolutely. I think there's a lot of misconceptions kind of about all of this stuff, really, about even harvesting, too. I mean, I had no clue about Do you know hay. how much uh, you should – I'll talk about – when we talk about current events next week, uh, just how much you should see an effect of what the Drecho did to your – grocery store food because uh it's gonna you're gonna start seeing another hike up Uh, it's coming i mean iowa is such a ripple effect huge corn and bean producer and soybeans and ethanol are some of the the (laughs) biggest things we need as the united states so that's nuts yeah so hey be um, prepared yeah maybe maybe try to be an ant this year not a grasshopper absolutely oh man we also the last week we are still planning on doing an interview we're not going to we're still planning it secret secret to be (laughs) to be mentioned it's top secret as of right now even to us so but we're working on it so i i'm excited harvest is here and we're going to talk about it with you but also speaking of special guest if you or know someone who would like to be a special guest on any of our episodes yeah. Let us know. Oh Tag gosh. them. Shout them out. That would be so We would fun. love to have them and, you know, pick their brain about their special, unique, quirky um, hobbies that they have. It does not have to fit with a theme either. The quirkier, the better. Yeah. Everybody has a niche and the people come when you have the cool things. Absolutely. Well, happy harvesting, folks. I'm off to go not drink a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> I'm pre-ordering mine right now. Oh, good. <laughs> If you like what you heard today, you can find us at We Chose the Farm on Facebook and Instagram. And to find Hinkle Homestead directly, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Google at Hinkle Homestead. Want to visit the Weininger Farms? You can find us mainly on Instagram at Weininger Farms. Or jump over to our website at WeiningerFarms.com. See you later!